Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. I hope you're having a wonderful day. You are listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tersh Blissett, and Joshua Crouch was not with me on this episode. And I want to make a quick introduction. I was at Service World Expo 2022 in Tampa, Florida, and I had my camera out. We were at an after hours event, and I ran into Zach Garside with Power Selling Pros. He's the new CEO there. And so we had a quick conversation about just questions that I have as a business owner when it comes to the things that power selling pros really are experts in. And so we talked a little bit about BSRs, handling issues, handling problem questions with clients. If you've ever listened to this show before and you pay any kind of attention to it, I will dig in a rabbit hole because that's just where my brain goes. So I try to stay on point as much as possible. But at the same time, this episode, I'm just holding my camera. We have our microphones, our lav mics in, and it's very much he just sat down and at the table that I was sitting at, we were eating and I just pulled out my camera and we had a quick conversation. So it's almost like you're a fly on the wall listening in on this conversation. That may be a thing that you enjoy, maybe not. I don't know, but I hope you enjoy this episode. If you have any questions about anything to do with any of this, please don't hesitate to reach out to Zach or myself and we'll direct you in the proper direction. By the way, PowerSell and Pros, while we love PowerSell and Pros, they're not a sponsor of the show. We just, I use them personally in our business at Service Emperor. And so whenever I'm asking Zach these questions, they're legit questions that I have when working with my CSR and my dispatch team. Just keep that in mind when you're listening to this episode of today's show. Are you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven-figure revenue mark? Do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever-growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh. I'm here with Zach. With Power Selling Pros. Yep. Where where are we? We're in Tampa, Florida. We're at the Service World Expo. We're surrounded by our people, our contractors. Oh, but we're getting ready to get on a boat. So what's, what are you planning? What's your hope to take away from this? Your biggest takeaway from an event like this? My biggest takeaway is always to learn what is on the mind of today's contract. Okay. Yeah. I, I just point. like yeah. to walk away from the event. No, I'd rather walk away with an almost perfect knowledge of what the contractor is facing today than a sale. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, that connection, because there's so often we get a vendor and it's like they push their narrative on us yeah. as a contractor versus you really just understanding why I want what I want. I want to know that my narrative is even going to make any sense. Two, do two, three, or four, five steps to do the one thing that we actually want to get done. Yeah. Now that that's really, yeah, that's a really cool takeaway. So what do you do? Parcel and phrase. What is that? Customer service trade. <laughs> if you have people who answer your phones, 
we coach those people to book the call, wow the customer, and find additional revenue opportunities. Selling maintenance plans, overcoming price objections. Yeah. So I love the thing. So full disclosure, we use Power Selling Pros. And Connor, she's progressed tremendously from the time she started until now. And then she went. she's on maternity leave actually right now. And it's really like... I'm excited to have her back, bring her back. And so as her coach, she's like missing her. She's emailing us constantly. <laughs> and the cool thing is she's been talking with other people in the office, but right. it's not this, it's not the same feeling that you have when you're talking to the same person and they're listening to your phone calls and fixing, telling you, holding you accountable. I think that's the biggest thing, like having someone outside of the business, holding them accountable. Because for me, accountability is one of the areas that I struggle with and it's, Really, it's, I want to be the nice guy. And sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to listen to that phone call. Like, I don't want to, I know that phone <laughs> call. something I can compliment you on. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? And it's to have you come and be able to be that person that's, I don't know, that's just my take on yeah. it. And no, it's outside perspective. It's huge. Like, Not only that, it's whenever, like whenever I'm talking to my kids about something over and over again, I'll keep do this. And then they go to their friend's house and their their friend's dad says to do something. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, Anthony's dad said to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I know Jerry said, said that, that because I, times it, too. I said the same thing. Exactly. Same thing. The cool uncle effect. That's what I call that. Yeah, it is. It's so true. And, and to have someone from the outside come in and say, hey, look, don't say this, say this instead. Or yeah. I was talking to somebody else when we were standing in line for lunch today. And our CSR is our first line of defense. Sure, our technicians, we put all that pressure on our technicians to convert, convert. But if the CSR is not setting them up for success, then... Like, we're, to work twice as hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or they're like, yeah, we're the cheapest in town. We're like, what? Like, oh yeah, you don't have to worry about spending money. And that's setting that technician up for failure. And just knowing what to say and when to say it and... Not only that, it's the second and third close and that type of stuff. I don't know. It's things that I never really thought about until I had to teach somebody else how to do it. And I'm like, it lasted about a month. And now I'm like, yeah, I need, <laughs> I need to do something else. Yeah, the thing that's crazy that I'm realizing right now, and this is kind of what I want to get feedback from contractors on. I spoke about this last week at the vertical tracker panel. Is a change happens at a company on three levels. This is an atomic habits. There's outcomes. We're all clear what we want outcomes. There's process, which is how we get there. But then the third layer is identity. And if you don't get the identity right, you're hot from process to process and process and never get the result that you want. What do you mean identity? So put it like this. I'll give you an example that anybody can relate to, and then I'll zoom down to the contractor level. A person who is trying to get in shape or lose weight, or let's say trying to lose 20 pounds. So you go on the keto diet. Yep. And that doesn't work. Yeah. So then you switch to Weight Watchers, and then you switch to this and to that and the other, and all and you all these processes. That's that's what they are. Yep. Promise you a result, and you become disillusioned by it. That I can't lose weight. It doesn't I'm work. just gonna I'm just gonna stay this weight. <laughs> I can't lose weight because the identity is the first part that has to change. You have to say on day one, I am a healthy person now. I am a healthy person. How long does it take never to change that? Here's what's crazy: is it it can happen instantly. Well, let's say you're a, let's say you're, you're riding the bus and you see somebody with his kids and his kids are crazy, climbing all over the place. 
And you're like, dude, you need to get yeah. your kids away. So you walk over to the guy and say, man, your kids are really bothering a lot of people here. He says to you, I'm really sorry. I didn't even realize it. We just came from a hospital where their mom just died. You feel like crap. How, how quickly does your attitude and behavior change? Completely. Instantly. Yeah. So sometimes. Attaching that emotion to it. The identity, the perspective can change instant. It depends on how powerful the epiphany is. Otherwise, take, other times it takes a long time. Yeah. But with the CSR, if you go down the contractor level now, technician, CSR, anybody, everybody wants a process, a system, a script, something they can use to get the outcome they want. Oh, okay, and that first thing has to be your CSR has to see themselves as the voice of the company oh, first. Dang. If I can get the CSR to see themselves that way, yeah. and then we can teach them some process systems. That's all I've ever done. It's just hit, go read that, read that word document over there. Fill in the blank of the, the blank word. Hide. My name is, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it, it's failed miserably. And that's exactly, I love that. That's to see that I would take a group, I would take a team of CSRs that see themselves as the voice of the company and understand the fundamentals of great customer service over a group of individuals that are obsessed with tactics and sales scripts and all these complex systems anytime. Because the first group is going to take great care of my customers and they're going to win anyway. Uh, the yeah. second group is constantly going to be obsessing over optimizing every little thing. Oh, yeah. But they fail to see themselves as the voice of the company. Yeah. And that's not for starters. So ha tell me this. What about call centers or VAs that are in a way? Because all of your training is virtual. It's not on site. Sure. So in theory, you should be able to do that with someone in the Philippines at the same time. Yeah. Right? If you're outsourcing it to somebody else, like yeah. another business who they work for, oh, right, you don't have yeah, much control. Yeah, yeah. You, have, you have virtually no, no control. Correct. If you are hiring them, it's a remote world. Like It's the same principles of life. They're still human beings. They still care about the same things that we care about in the States. I was telling you about the guy who we hired in Mexico who's sensational. Like He's awesome in every way. Yeah. Now that... So in that aspect, for anybody who that might be listening, how would they find someone who can do what you described there and have that identity? A, per, a CSR who has that identity? Yeah, someone like, who can like, help them have that. Well, out of, like someone who has that identity or if it could be taught, like, sure, how to do that. But if I'm hiring someone who might be in, in Mexico, we can't do a face. We can do a Zoom call face to face. Right, we can't do it there. in person face to face. Yeah. How do you know that person is someone who's going to be able to transition that way? I wish I was an expert at hiring. Yeah, I'm, I'm an expert at trying. Yeah, <laughs> I've done it a lot. With this guy that we hired, it came down to him and one other girl. And on paper, the girl was way more fine. She had so why way her, more. why him? It was just a feeling. It was just a gut feeling. Oh yeah, like, we just. I think if a company is really into with the soul of the business, yeah, yeah, I know that sounds silly, yeah. but I think anybody can relate to it. Like there's a certain aura, a certain soul every business has. And I think finding people who match that is more important. And for us, we came down to these two people, one who was very qualified and professional and had all the stuff on paper. And then this guy who was like, I don't know, it just felt like a better fit. We went that way. On the other hand, though, I've also heard that good management is just hiring well and firing quickly. Yeah, hire slow, <laughs> fire fast. Yeah, yeah. It's, and so. I can see that. I, I have the bleeding heart syndrome, whereas once they get on board and I meet their family and yeah, now I know they have 
people to take care of also. And then I'm like, all right, I'll give you 12 more chances. True. I heard. uh, So I actually studied this week, this guy talk about hiring. His advice was if you're interviewing somebody and they stay very high level the whole time, for example, if you're hiring a salesperson, they'll talk about the need to do a discovery and ask good questions and make sure that you close the deal and that you never split the difference. Let's say these very high level yeah, like generic the, things. Oh yeah, buzzwords. Right, yeah. Be held accountable. How, but if you really want to know if this person is legit, they will have a depth of knowledge that shocks you that you didn't even know was there. On the CSR side, when I'm talking to a company about training their CSRs, I will ask questions like, what is your booking rate? How confident are you that is correct? Are your CSRs doing dispatch two or do you have those positions separated? What metrics are you tracking in the call center? Oh, you should be tracking these ones. I'll go into a depth of knowledge that most contractors didn't even realize was there. Yeah. And that's what makes them say, okay, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If I stay really high level, and it's just like this voice of the company stuff. That typically gets you interested. But I stayed there the whole time. People ask questions like you're asking right now. But how do I get there? And that's where you really drill down. And, and that's I think the same in hiring. That's a good point because there's a lot of times whenever it's the right words to say to get the deal closed, but this, but how? I'm that person. But how? So you mentioned booking rate. And I know that you and Josh talked about that when you were on the, on the podcast before. Yes. I have a friend of mine and I trust his numbers because I trust, like, I, I know this guy very closely and intimately and he has a 97%. No, I'm not gonna say 97. I think it's 97, but it might be 92% booking rate on incoming calls, including spam calls. Right. That sounds crazy high, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> Because I knew, because from our talks before, and he listens to the show too, and he and I discussed whenever you and Josh were talking about that, about it being a, I think it was like something like 70% or something like that. Whenever y'all were talking, maybe it was lower than that. I don't remember. In terms of like the benchmark where you should be? Yeah. We like to say 85 to 90. Okay. So when we were, when we discussed that and we're talking 85%. Uh, Yeah. And I look at my numbers and I see a 40% yeah. and I'm like, what the hell? And they're like, we had 12 spam calls today. How do you penalize for spam calls or what, what do you do in that situation? But you don't count the spam calls. So I you would, take the spam would, calls I would, I would out. I wouldn't count them. Yeah, I would. Because in your, if you're using a tool like service type, right, you can classify them as on both of them. Yeah, unbooked um, calls or abandoned calls. And you, you, somebody has to go back and listen to all to make sure that CSR isn't just booking it as an yeah. unbookable whenever it is a bookable call. Yeah. The booking rate thing has always been a challenge because very few contractors actually measure that stuff accurately. Consistent, yeah, consistently. It's, yeah. it's very, very hard to find contractors that really know their numbers. That's why when I ask the booking rate, I always follow it up with, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that's accurate? And you can't say seven. Because <laughs> that's the go-to. Because if you say seven, okay. You didn't want to say something too high because you didn't think I'd believe you. But you didn't want to say something too low because you'd be embarrassed. Yeah. And there's a big gap between six and eight. Like, yeah. <laughs> there is. And it's true, too, because it's like, if I was on top of it, like if I was 
doing what I know that I was supposed to do and things that I've done in the past, sure, I could confidently say eight or nine, but then there's times where it's, okay, that's no longer a squeaking wheel, so I'm going to ignore it for six months. And then all of a sudden, it's, I'm pretty sure it's good, but if, if I started a call center today in the industry to track, I would start with six metrics. I do my very best to make sure there's actually as possible. That would be number of calls taken and made total. Booking percentage, number of appointments booked, service agreements sold, average talk time and average time before answering. Average time before answered? Yeah, like how many times did it ring for it to So here's my question with that. Is it from the time that your caller calls, like dials the number until it, we answer or until it rings for in the office until it answers because there's a delay sometimes in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could be 10 second delay on it sometimes. Between when they call and when it starts ringing? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our... Oh, yeah. I listen to them. But also, if you listen, like when you're talking through the CRM, you talk over somebody because there's a delay. Or you'll start talking and they're still talking. Is on your side? And they'll just, oh, they'll stop. And then you stop. And then they stop. And you stop. Then it turns into this goofy conversation well, because of the delay. To put it simply, two rings in the office. Yeah. So the CSR shouldn't let it go beyond two rings. In terms of the delay, yeah, I've taken up with your point <laughs> provider. <with your> <laughs> yeah. Whoever's doing this. Oh, yeah. Everybody blames the other person yeah. every single time. But no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. But yeah. that's, that's and with, when I get those set up, like I want it to be as accurate as possible. So he's trying to start criteria. If it's a spam call, if it's somebody calling to check on the status of their visit for a technician calling in, we're not going to count those. Everything else we're going to count. Just to keep it simple. Don't make it complicated with all the what ifs. Okay. Just take those three out, count all the rest. And then sell service agreements on every call. Do you feel like, do you feel like, so I've been told, that a CSR and dispatcher need to be on the phone 88% of the time that they're getting paid or not being paid, but when they're at their desk. I, I guess. mean, I've always struggled with the time thing. I'm, I think it's more it's a result. instead of waiting for the phones to ring, being that proactive person, I think that's the thought process behind it. Yeah. It's like when people ask, what should the average top time on a call be? How long should my calls be? How long should and my answer is I literally don't care if you're booking. Right, right, send your call. Now, if you're not booking I don't care anything, it takes six minutes a call to help the customer. If you book it every time and sell a service agreement, seventy percent of the time, you're talking for fifteen minutes and don't book forty percent. Then we have a problem. Yeah. Then we'll look at the top time and say, like, okay, maybe you're spending too much time. It's the same with how much time are they spending on the phone while they're at their desk. If they are, again, booking ninety percent of their calls, if they're hitting the quote on outbound calls, whatever that is for you, selling maintenance agreements. Take it, take it. No. Yeah. I thought there was a CSR manager one time interested in our service who asked, how do I lead a remote team? And uh, she was really nervous because it was COVID. Her team was all home now. And she says to me, I don't know if they're cooking dinner or checking Facebook or folding laundry. And I said, how did you hold them accountable when they were in the office? And she said, well, I could see them. I could walk around the call center. I could look over their shoulders, pretend to be interested, but really just check to make sure they're working. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you, you need a more objective way to know if they're doing their job or not. Yeah. Because if they are, 
Yeah, maybe they're they are. Who cares? Like, but are they productive and make money? Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying they should, but I'm also not going to yeah. sweat it if okay. they are. And that's the same. That's the concept that I've lived by with us being remote from day one in 2018, 17. Yeah. We've been remote. And one of the things one of the things that we do is we have Zoom open. So everybody's on Zoom. And we try. I've, saw, I've and, seen this. It fascinates me how you guys do And it. so if anybody has any questions, they just mute and ask their question. But we also use a program called Hubstaff. And that too. Awesome. so you're familiar with Hubstaff. So it's a remote platform that if they are inactive for a certain amount of time, it'll ding them or you can set up tasks for them to do throughout the day and stuff like that. I found that to be to help hold them accountable also yeah. because they can have their Zoom open and it looks like they're looking at the screen, but they're actually looking at their phone sitting at the side of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> the camera's here and they're like computer here, but it's just really yeah. this thing right here. <laughs> Exactly. But obviously we have good people and you want to think the best of everybody also, but I don't know. You, you're talking, you have a talk yeah. and uh, who else is talking? Let's talk. Steven. Okay, so Steve. Steven Dale is on Thursday and tomorrow. I also was yesterday at the uh, HVAC Marketing Summit. HVAC Marketing Summit. Which one was that? I was here too. Done by Goodman, Dykin. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was a small, like 20 contractors gathering. Okay. Presented that. I'm doing a workshop tomorrow. What's tomorrow's workshop? The real job of customer service. What you got to talk about? So what I just discussed there with voice companies, a kind of a sneak peek there. But uh, I think it's the best presentation I've done in seven years of GSP. Yeah. Also, I felt like uh, this is the first time I'm doing it as a CEO, so I got to make sure I get it right. Don't screw up. So don't screw this one up. <laughs> but uh, gosh, it is really it, it's what I said with I would take a team this sees themselves as a voice of the company and understands the fundamentals of great customer service over individuals who know all the tactics any day. Yeah. It's really how to get to that point. Okay, that's that's the question that I have is, if I don't have that, yeah. how do I get it? And yes, there's a lot of different ways, man. I'll sit in on your yeah, talk too, because I, I want to check it out. Because there's that's a challenge, getting that buy-in, especially if it's remote. So you don't have that constant reach out and touch me kind of engagement. And then to get them to have buy-in is, I don't know, it's a challenge for sure. It's always been a challenge for us. But every time somebody said, I can't do it, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. That motivates me more than me actually failing is if somebody tell me I can't do it. So I'm, I've been the CEO for six months now. And the biggest lesson I'm personally learning about this that I think also applies to the CSR level is the key to building credibility as a leader, you want to change your call center culture so they're voice of the company. And you've got six people. It's like, how do I get all six of them to see themselves that way? How do I get my whole technician staff to see themselves as the face of the company? Uh, they can make it or break the company. Yeah. The key is you've got to find one person. Like you have a leader becomes a leader when they have a single follower. So there's got to be at least one person in your call center and on your staff of technicians who sees it the way, yeah. who is on board, embodies what you're looking for. What happens if there's nobody? If there's nobody, <laughs> then you need to hire somebody right now. You gotta hire, man. That's it. Yeah. But if you got that one person, you need to bring them in and you gotta be very vulnerable and say, right. I need your help. Yeah. Like people look up to you, people trust you. I look up to you, I trust you. Mm -hmm. I need your help to lead this team. Like and they will have some calls. After you give him a pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm prepared to raise your pay. <laughs> Heck, dude.
Yeah, you were going to hire somebody new anyway. True. Yeah, don't be afraid to to share. Don't think, yeah, that's the other thing with CSRs. Don't think you can get away with paying 15 to 18 bucks an hour forever. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, they're not minimum wage. An all-star team from thirty to $40,000 a year. No. No way. You can't ask them to be able to talk, have good speech. Yeah. You know, everything. Talk well, sell more. All that on minimum wage. Or, yeah. No, I agree, which is. What's your website? PowerSellingFroze.com. That's telephone. That's real hard to remember. I was surprised. <laughs> PowerSellingFroze.com. Thank you, man. Thanks, Tersh. Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.